guys, welcome back to another episode of the Do Got Podcast with myself, Rob Watson. And in this episode, I chat with 19-year-old Jim Giles, who is someone that we've known for a good half a dozen years or so, and he's become he's become a friend of ours. And the reason he became a friend of ours is because he's, he's an amazing artist, he's very inspiring, he did this big project, which will go more in depth in in the episode and how we got to know him but he's just he's a super inspiring guy he's he goes back to university when he's in his 60s he then goes on to do his masters when he's in his 80s you know it's a real great example that it's never too late to change direction to follow your dreams to do something different in your life it really is so i had a great chat with him and you know bless jim as well because he's it was just like a week before i think he'd um, he'd had an operation on his eye so he was really you know, it was amazing, and he was like, "Yeah, let's still do the interview." He kind of, and being an artist as well, it's going to be really challenging with, um, you know, having some issues with his eyes and stuff. So, he showed up. He was amazing. He's such an inspiring guy. I really think you'll enjoy this episode. So, anyway, without further ado, on to the episode. I really appreciate you taking the time out. I really do for us to sit down and chat and talk about your life and your work and uh, all the amazing things that you've done. Um, I first found out about you, well, it was actually Ruth, my wife, who um, you told me, oh, we knew, well, we spotted you around. You used to be in Islington Mill, which is where our old studio was. And you come up and down, we hear you around. And obviously, you know, there's not many people like you that was in the mill. So um, you certainly caught our attention and our eye. And then you were putting on a little exhibition in the actual gallery space. I was. And Ruth got talking to you, and she did <laughs> to find out about your project that you were doing at the time, which was your, your scarf project. And it was this was going. This must have been about seven years ago, six or seven years ago. Uh, yes, uh, I think it was six. Yeah, about six. Yeah. Six, I think. Yeah, it was. Um, and just got talking that way, and, and Ruth's like, "Oh, maybe we can help you with this in some way." You've got. I think you'd already had 50 or 60% of your scarfs in or something by then. And, and we were like, well, we'll do your website and we'll try and promote it and get more people to, to get involved. So, but maybe we should just start talking about that, about the actual scarf project and what first inspired it for you. Maybe tell people a little bit about the project. Well, I was um, at Salford Uni doing my master's and... Uh, I didn't actually apply to do my masters. I really wanted to uh, find an outlet and a, a, a place where I could work with other artists. And I was recommended to uh, apply. And they said, "Well, we won't. We won't regard it as masters and marks." Do you know what I mean by that? Um, like we won't think about we won't think about an exam at the end, an end product. We'll, we'll just let you come and work on the course. You know, if that's what you want. I said that's exactly what I want. But then when I started work, and the tutorials went well and I got on well with the tutors. Um, it became more serious when they saw 
I was, I, how serious I was about what I was doing. So um, they said, well, um, you're officially on the course, and, uh, if you don't mind. And uh, I said, that's okay. Um, so I, I completed a course, and, uh, and my final piece uh, was a, uh, a dedication to my father, who uh, was crazy about football. Uh, he was born in 1897, so he's a true Victorian, and he was also a boy soldier and okay, won some medals and um, so I thought uh, he died when he was 60 unfortunately uh, so I thought I'm not uh, all that keen on football to be honest but that, that's so I had quite a bit of research to do uh, and so uh, the first thing I thought I would being an artist I would do was uh, knit two scarves. So I knitted um, a Man City scarf and a Man United scarf. And uh, they had to be very, very precise. They had to be uh, 24 stitches wide, which is the amount of players on the pitch. And they had to be, had, had to be the length of the distance between the goalposts. Exact, and uh, so I, I did all uh, knitting. The, knitting the scars was uh, not easy. I'm not. I'm not the best knitter, but it was just plain knitting. So I knitted the two, and then um, I had goalposts built, and uh, I got the actual netting for behind the uh, the goals and I got the, all the proper footballs and also did a lot of research into football in different countries and all that. So that's how I came to start my knitting. Wow. And when, yeah, so when, when I graduated, I came home and I thought, what shall I do now? And I joined a knitting group at, uh, next door at the mustard tree uh, because I already knew the artist there and he, he introduced me to the knitting group and I thought I know um, I live in a very very old Victorian building uh, called Victoria Square in Ancoats and uh, I thought, I'll knit a scarf and wrap it round this building. And this uh, is a big building as well, isn't it? This isn't uh, just some small building. It's a massive big courtyard in the middle with a garden. So what's, what size is it we're talking? I don't know, but we... we um, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 measured, <laughs> we measured all the way around it. It's like... Uh, a good street length on on, it, on each side, so it's it's massive, five stories high, and it's uh, what is generally termed as a hollow building. 
um, so uh, with a, a beautiful garden inside. So uh, became quite friendly with uh, all the ladies in the knitting group, and uh, I said, "Would you, would you, would you help me, please? Uh, I'll bring, I'll bring a box of chocolates every week, and um, if you help me on my project." Um, I want to knit the longest scarf in Manchester. Um, so, but then it spread to other, all groups around Manchester joined in to help. And uh, I think it took 18 months to complete the, 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 everybody knitted a certain length and I personally joined every piece together uh, with a ribbon so that when the scarf was finally wrapped round and finished we could separate it and, uh, and, and give all the scarves to charity which is what happened. Amazing because I remember the day now when we we came and local papers and press came to see yeah. why the you know the scarf got wrapped around and this is a Oh, the, the Manchester mm. Evening News got on it uh, right from the beginning. Yeah, 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 very good. And yeah. I, li I always like the idea of what you spoke about it with, it, how it was, you know, this place has looked after you that you're in now. Oh. And it was like a representation of exactly. giving it, almost like protecting that and giving it a yes. hug. Yes, you. it was, yeah. It was, it, it was to represent uh, the warmth and... Uh, friendliness and uh, of the community in which I live because there are 171 people in this building and uh, it'd been my home for 14 years and um, I love it here. I've loved it from the minute I came. That's great. Right from the beginning. Um, I was more or less homeless when I came in. Homeless and broke. Wow. And um, so that's the story of the scarf, really. Is that okay? Of course it is. That's that's more than okay. I remember on the day as well, everyone came out. Or like you said, 171 oh, yeah. people. A, oh, good, yeah. a good percentage of them were out. Maybe it yeah. was for the tea and cake afterwards. Um, yeah. You know. We had school children. Yeah. Everybody in the building. Um, the old, because um, we couldn't uh, we couldn't attach it to the wall. <clears throat> so everybody, ev uh, oh, oh must have been a hundred people, maybe more. It more. Felt like it, yeah. All joined in to uh, hold this car. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. So um, just to wind back a little bit, just to let the listeners know, which I think is one of the things that's always inspired me the most about you. Um, well, there's many things really, but the fact that in your sixties you go to is it Liverpool John Moores and yeah, you did yeah, you, you did yeah. was it fine art well I went yeah um, I did my foundation course I, I applied to do a foundation course at Liverpool <clears throat> I was living in uh, Dorset at the time and uh, my daughter who was at uni at art school I was made redundant when I was 58 and she said, uh, 
What about you going to art school? I, I had one grade A art I'd done when I was 40. Anyway, um, she said, uh, have a go. Uh, I'll help you write a letter to, uh, first of all, you have to pick where you want to go. And I thought, well, I've got my, my brother lives in near Liverpool. And it'd be nice to go up to Liverpool because he can put me up <laughs> for free. <laughs> so uh, I applied and they asked me to get a, a, a small portfolio ready. And so I turned up with that. And the very last person to be interviewed they told me to sit in the next room while they thought about it. And then they called me in and said, well, you're the last person and uh, we'll take you. <laughs> so then that's when I started. Uh, so that must have felt good. Yeah, and at the end I came out with uh, a BA. Amazing, so how, um, how old were you when you graduated? I was 66. I just had my 66th birthday when I graduated. Incredible. And then 15 years later, you, you graduated from, from Salford with a master's. I did. And that's, that is just, you know, that is mind-blowing, really. And I think for anyone who's listening to this, that whatever age they are, even me, who's not even, I'm 40 next year, even there's part of me thinking, oh, I'm too old to go back to university to restudy something. But it, it's never the case, and I think... It shows how you use the situation in terms of being made redundant. Because if you didn't get made redundant, then you wouldn't have gone up to Liverpool to live with your brother and you wouldn't have gone to university. So often I think in life we can, there can be situations which happen to us which we don't like, yet they can be for our greater good to send us in a different direction. And you certainly made them, and you make, basically you made the most of it. So I'm interested to know You've obviously very creative. You've got so many different paintings that you've done, and what sparked that for you when you were young? Well, I did. Um, I, I did a night school in London, where because I went to London when I was twenty-two, and then when I was twenty-four, five, I went to um, Regent Street Poly for an evening course. So I did that for one year. And uh, so that that was my introduction really into the possibility of being an artist. But then I met uh, a young lady who, who actually came to sit for us. <laughs> and I was doing a portrait and sitting very close. So we fell in love and then got married and then um, I had to give up my art. We never gave it up forever anyway. No. <laughs> just just temporary. Obviously you've got what's interesting me about this podcast as well, so is, you know, you've just passed turn ninety. We came to your party, um, in next door and for, what's really fascinating for me is to be able to sit down with someone who's got so much life experience. It's someone I can sort of talk to and tap into. Because I think a lot of the issues or the challenges we face now is maybe we don't necessarily respect elders as much as we should do. There's just a certain stigma attached to it when actually I'm like, well, 
the elder people have got so much experience and have been around for so long, so we should be tapping into that. We should be speaking to them and, and finding out more about the rich life and their experience and what knowledge that they can pass on. So that's what has been another driver for me wanting to sit down with you because you, know, you were born, what, would have been like 1929? I was. Yeah, I was just working out this morning. 1929, yeah. 1929, so you, know, you must have seen so many changes. Even in my lifetime, I've seen so many changes with how technology is changing and the world and how everything seems oh, very don't, overpopulated. Don't mention technology to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, okay. one, that's one thing that beats me. Um, yeah. well, you know what? You um, you send a good text message. Ruth actually said to me, you know, he's, he's like, Jim's great on text. Like, you know, a lot of emojis and, uh, you know, you've got a really good sense of humour in there. So you can manage your way around the phone, which is... Probably, you know, which is good. So going back then, so obviously you, you born 1929 and, you know, you must have been, well, you lived through, you were a teenager when the, the world, Second World War was on. Uh, I, I was, um, I was 10 years old when uh, the, the war, Second World War started. And um, unfortunately, uh, my mother died during that time. So uh, I had two younger siblings, one four years younger, the other six years younger. So, and my, my father was um, rather absent in, in grief, really mostly. And uh, so I, I was left with the two little ones to, I had, I had to leave school before I was 14 to help at home when my mother was dying. And then I went back to the la for the last term. So I, I, I was working, I was only just 14 when I started work in Manchester. But I mean, so were all the other boys. But then the age, uh, uh, two years later, the age went out to 15. You had to stay until 15. But I was working at, four, at 14 years old. And my first wage, I must, I must say this, because it's a, quite alarming, was 16 shillings a week. <laughs> that was my full wage. Wow. What could you buy with that? Uh, quite a lot, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. So you grew up in Manchester then? I grew up in Manchester, yes. I was born in uh, Salford. And uh, then my father had a greengrocer's shop in Hume with a horse and cart. And so until I was five years old, I saw a lot of the horses backside. I used to go out with him on the, his deliveries. It's kind of, it's really nice to sort of, it's kind of, I can only imagine that from say, watching old films, <laughs> you know, people on a horse and cart and stuff. So it's, it's nice to know, to hear, to hear that. Well, when my father was in the First World War, he looked after the horses. He very, very loved his, loved his horses, and he was a very good horseman, yeah. He was also, you know, uh, mad about football. In fact, um, he played for Salford Schools and right right till the end, uh, before he went into the war. And uh, he ran away to join the war, First World War, uh, but his mother uh, pulled him out 
until so but he, as soon as he was 18 he was in so he stayed in for four, four years and he survived which many didn't of course yeah unfortunately left to tell a tale well if she hadn't pulled him out then he would have probably been in the battle of the Somme and he would have been slaughtered wow she saved him yeah and you in the process what's been great about coming here and seeing you because You've done projects here, which has brought the people here together, and you've probably got to know people more here. You know, we're sometimes I think in certain buildings and certain flats, people don't even know the neighbours. It's kind of you're just in and out, busy all day, come home. It's, we're just losing that sense of community. Um, and I don't know what it was like. Maybe you say for like London. I believe London back going back a few decades ago. It's like it was like a village. It was like all these different parts of it was all like all yeah. these communities. Well, when I first went there in the 50s, uh, it, London was a lovely place to be. Uh, there wasn't the traffic there is now, of course, and the population was less. And you're quite right. It was, um, I went back two years ago, and when uh, I stepped out of the tube, I was 88 years old then, it was... Unbelievable! It was the the jam packed. You couldn't move. I thought I'm never coming back again. You know that's another thing that's just inspired me that you, for your age, you're still very active, and you look after yourself, and you're always well presented, and you know you're not just going quietly into the night like so many people may do. Maybe they come to retirement age. In fact, in a way, it almost feels like you came to life when in your 60s onwards, in some ways, you know, to pursue some of your passions and, and the things that you've gone there. And it's probably one of the happiest maybe phases of your life. You obviously got a lot of wisdom now being around since the 1920s. What would you, um, what, what would you say, or wisdom would you share, say, with your younger self? You know, someone, when you were in a time of growing up, what, what if you could go back and give that, that younger Jim, a little bit of wisdom, what would yeah. you tell him? Yeah, I've given this a lot of thought. I'd like you do if you've got a few minutes sitting down, the telly's not on. And yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. Because I was a very, very odd child. Um, I, I'd climb up anything. You know, I'd climb up a, a, I'd climb up a door if I could. I'd climb up anything. And I was always hanging upside down, like a bat. On anything I could hang upside down, my mother would be like. <laughs> and um, what they should have done is, when I was about seven, and uh, quite bonkers, they should have put me in a circus. That would have been funny. Uh, well, uh, the other thing they should have done, and, they, and I did ask, for them to let me do it was um, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers were just like hitting the screen like crazy. I thought, oh wow. Uh, uh, I asked my parents if I could have a, a pair of tap shoes. I wanted to be, I'd, I'd love to have been a tap dance. <laughs> I really would have serious. I argued with my parents. Yeah, because um, 
some of the kids next door used to go to dance classes and I wanted to go with them. And my father wouldn't hear of it. So he just gave me a pair of football boots instead, second-hand ones as well. So that that's uh, that 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 was a big miss. I would have really, you know, I could have been Britain's answers of first. So that would have been um, what you consider, you know, <laughs> if you'd had any regrets, then that's what it would have been. Oh, massive, massive! Believe me. Because I was uh, very athletic, you know, um, you know, I, I, I could do all. When I say about circus, I could do all sorts of go go backwards this way, go you know go go over and over that way, you know, like walking, you know, like a cartwheel, but going over. Yeah, I could do all that. You could have travelled without thinking about it. You could have travelled the world. Ten times over. I should have. I should have gone in. A, I should have gone in. A, should have joined the circuit. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, been a clown. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's a great story. <laughs> I think. I think I did. I did um, dress as a clown once. Yeah, go into fancy dress as a clown. That's the nearest I got. I'd like to know. Who's had sort of the biggest influence on you, on your life? Um, well, apart from Fred Astaire, or any other tap dancer, artists, I suppose. You know, artists that you don't, you never meet. You can only read about and see films about. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I love, I love good music. I love uh, and I love art. I've got lots and lots of books on art. You know, I, 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 I love modern art as much as I do. You know, I'm very excited about, you know, contemporary art, um, because that's what I did. Yeah. I love the way abstract art has turned a corner, um, and I love the uh, the way the contemporary modern artists use colour as well. You know, really vibrant colour. You know, not your eye out colour. I love that, you know. Well, if you've seen it in some, you know, when I did that, that, that was in a drawing class. You know, I had to draw, just draw the model, right? And uh, everybody was drawing it very carefully. And, and the, the, tutor, the tutor came in and said, who's done this? Who's done this? And they said, who do you think? That was me. <laughs> and they, they, they were, they, they, if they say that, you know, they, you know what they mean. It's good. Yeah. I must have felt and, good. Different, and different. Yeah. It was, it, it, no, I mean, the whole of the class, and it was big. Um, everybody was just sketchy. Very carefully. <laughs> then they kept. And you just let go. <laughs> Let it flowed through you instead. So obviously art's had a huge impact in your life. What do you think it's actually done for you? Made me happy. Yeah. Made me happy without question. Made me like myself a bit better, that's for sure. Why is yeah. that? Yeah. Made me more comfortable with myself and made life more exciting, really. 
for me. Um, 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 I am full of regret that I didn't start earlier. You know, I didn't have the opportunity to start. Well, you know, all can think considered. considered I mean, but we can all say that in some ways, can't we? Well, we can all, we can all say it, but say, you know, some of the challenges that you face, you know, losing your mum early on, having to go into the work at 14, being like a curver for your younger children. It's amazing to think that, you know, it, it didn't just get lost. You did actually find a way back into it. And, and to still be doing it now, you know, and, and at your 90th birthday, a few weeks, all your artwork was up, and there must have been, there was dozens and dozens and dozens of people in the room there to celebrate you and to to, oh. on, to honour you, so... Well, I, 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 I'm really self-taught, to be honest. I've never, I've, uh, the only time I had uh, serious lessons was when I, I went to, um, in London, uh, you know, to the um, Regent Street Poly night school. Very, very strict. Uh, you had, you know, um, you had men in suits, you know, uh, lecturing you in a very loud voice, standing by the side of you so all the class could hear. It's like, no. <laughs> Um, that went on for a year, which don't forget was every night, every night of my life, every evening. But they were very strict. But it, it, you see, they allowed, they allowed just a few of us in, about five of us. Um, it was the degree course. So, but uh, all the degree people came in the evening as well as working all day. So, um, apart from that, um, but that, that, that year, you know, stayed in my head forever, and I've still got some of the drawings of it of now, from the 1950s. Uh, it's very interesting to look at. <laughs> well, it's great that you've, you've got that experience and the memories, and to still be, you know, going along now, and you're still, I'm sure you've got some projects up your sleeve. Have you got any, anything in mind? That you you still wanna you still wanna accomplish you still wanna do looking forward. <laughs> yeah, there, there is there, there's one big painting I want to do, and uh, but I'm losing my sight when I've already done those big ones, so uh, I want to do you know an, another one of those, um, a, a figurative one, and uh, that's to do with all the people on my balcony. Wow. Yeah. So you got one because we 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 we've had a few conversations lately, and um, because of the eye trouble I'm in at the minute, um, next door being so wonderful, and everybody else, one of them came and sat with me this morning. Yeah, I, I'd like to uh, incorporate about ten flats. I know every, we all know each other very very well on this balcony. We all get on touch wood like that. We reckon we're the best balcony in the building. Yeah. And and I want to, I'd like to celebrate that. And if it's big, it's if, if um, I'm trying to clear, bit by bit, I'm trying to clear this room. Brilliant. Well, that's... well I'd, I'd like to do it in the mustard tree, but I can't, unfortunately, I can't work with a lot of people around me. Wherever I've worked, like I've had space. my own space. Yeah, that makes... I, I, it's very, I very important. I don't know if you're the same. You know, I like 
I like to be in my own space and everything, is, you know. Me too. Is, and we can pick up this and that. Well, most artists are the same. Yeah. Not just me, I mean, nearly every artist I know. I mean, some are lucky to have, you see, I see some studios and they're, they're mouth-watering. I think, you know, oh, what I, would I love that studio now? I mean, I've had small studios. Space is, space is money. Space is money, yeah, especially now in cities. I think maybe I should have gone to Scotland. <laughs> maybe that's the next move? No. <laughs> no, you settled no. here now. No, no. Uh, please God, I would live and die in this place. Yeah, because it's... it's since I came to Manchester, uh, in my in my terms, my my terms, I flourished. You know, I've loved it. I mean, I've not been big-headed or anything about that. I mean, when I say I've flourished, I mean, it's amazing to see, and that's why we're sat here today, talking about stuff. So I've got maybe a few questions left. Say, for instance, someone someone's listened to this in many years' time, and it could be your great-great-grandchildren, for instance, if you could impart them with a little bit of advice, growing up, listen to, what, what do you offer them? Well, it's very strange you should mention that because I was planning a letter to my youngest grandson. I was going to ask him if he would like to look after my bike and send it to him. Uh, now he's... Uh, He's only, he's only 13, but it's a bit big. Um, but then I'd, I would like to say, you know, this this may not be what you expect or want or desire at this moment in your life. But believe me, things will change. And I feel very... It just came to me this morning. I feel very, very strongly about it. I feel that somehow or other he's meant to have it. I'm not meant to have it. That's what I'm, I was planning the actual letter this morning in my head. And that was like, it doesn't sound much, but... So I'm going to take that, that little bit, then words that you said. This may not be what you expect or you want. Um, but often, you know, life life can be like that for you. So to maybe impart some of that wisdom in him in his early teenage years, he can uh, he can carry that one forward as he grows older. So just touching on the story of this bike when I first came today, hmm? I sort of just talking about the bike because yeah. it's, yeah. it's not on here. Yeah. Turn up today and um, and I'm admiring this tricycle bike yeah. that you got. Beautiful racing green, looks immaculate. I'm like, wow, you know, big basket in the back, basket on the front, and um, and it's amazing that, you know, at 90, you've, um, you're like, yeah, I'm going to get a bike. So maybe the whole reason for you getting it was so you could write this letter and you could send it down to, to be with your grandson um, and impart him with some wisdom, and also let him have a bike to look after. Um, well, you see, I can incorporate little words of wisdom in, some, in amongst that, you know, about grown-ups, you know, we're not, you know, we're, we're full of imperfections and, 
uh, things happen that you wouldn't expect to at your age. And uh, of course, I had a lot to learn about all that now. Yeah. And, uh, but so I just had a little uh, bathroom break and I think it's quite apt that I was just looking at the wall then and um, there's this picture of a guy on like a motor motorbike leaping through the air with, a, with a helmet on. That's my son. Is that your son? Yeah. Wow. It kind of reminds me maybe he's of... Had, he's had, um, he's, he's had, he's had a, a bike since he, you know, a motorbike right from the... But, but, even before he could ride it, and he, he, he managed to say, he, he, he came back, and I said, what the, what the bloody hell's that? It was a, it was a motorbike, you know, um, a, a small one. And he uh, just used to push it around. You couldn't get on it. And then the, the twice it was brought home by the police, but, I said, he's only pushing it round, which she was. I said, he just wants to push it round. He loves it. It's his, you know, it's his favourite toy, as it were. And then he was on it. And, but now he's doing, um, now he's in his, well in his 50s, he's doing, um, what do you call it, where you do a, a cycle ride and a swim and a run. Like a triathlon. Yeah, he, that's what he's doing. Wow. Going all over the country doing that. Amazing. Yeah. And he keep. He, 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 I had a text from him this morning to say how many miles he'd done on the bike and how many miles he'd done in the water. Yeah. Wow. Well, in lakes. Freezing, freezing lakes and whatever. Yeah. Well, that'll be a mate, quite an achievement. Reminds me a bit of my dad at the moment. Well, you've seen him. He's sort of like you, in a way, yeah. you know. Um, Build-wise, yeah. <laughs> In fact, it's very much like. Maybe I'll do a triathlon at some point. Somebody's got a beard. <laughs> Maybe I'll grow a beard one day. It reminds me a bit of my dad. My um, my dad's doing a lot of cycling now. He recently did went around Scotland and did five hundred miles in. In, a, in about five days or something or a week and pretty achievement. And then next year he wants to cycle and do a thousand miles, um, from south north to south or whatever in the country so and he's in you know he's in his 70s now so it's just again that's another inspiration that you know as me talking to you today and you going back to uni in your 60s and getting your masters in your 80s it just goes to show that there's always time for something new there's always time to mm-hmm. to keep going and, and to do things that are exciting like you talked about your art how it's had a significant impact on your life because without I can, it I keep thinking you're about 25 <laughs> well I'll, thank you if you think I look it that's great well you it. certainly don't look your age that's for sure <laughs> well that's nowhere ca- near that, well neither of you do do you we look after ourselves you, and my girls were in Sicily on a big protest when they were young because you know they were green and women they, they, they both went they both in fact they, I, I saw a photograph about green and women in one of the um, I think it was in the, the Observer on a Sunday it showed you an old photograph was it in the 80s or it, 70s I can't remember anyway yeah and I saw I saw Catherine sitting there with all these <laughs> on a big protest 
and I've seen Vicky walking around London carrying banners and <laughs> and then the BBC rang me up and said Mr Giles, uh, Michael Boat from the BBC uh, um, I said yeah he said oh this is my this is Michael Boat from the BBC he said um, turn on your television now um, you'll see your two daughters in Sicily um, uh, they're on the protest and I thought oh my god I didn't even know they were out of the country they were on this this uh, and it was an American nuclear plant I thought my god they'll be I can imagine what I was thinking what would happen to them oh god <laughs> that's what your children do <laughs> that, that's just the girls Right, the life out of you. But good, but they did good. And they still do good in the world now. That's nice to hear. So, last few questions then. So this podcast is all about, you know, doing good and, you know, who, who do you admire now? Is there anyone that you kind of look up to that you think, you know what, they're doing some really good things for, it could be for the world, it could be for the their friends, their neighbours, the community the planet what I think of when I think I think of um, in poverty stricken countries uh, a war war stricken that are going on what I think about the doctors and nurses who've given their lives to do to do that now my um, well I learned about that quite a long time ago when I first got married, because my my wife's sister was SRN nurse, and her husband who was a doctor, they they travelled the world, giving lectures, and talking about what they wanted to do, and gathering money, wherever they could, and they went out to Iran, and, and built a hospital, right out in the right out in the sticks. That's where they devoted their lives to that. And people used to, you know, like whole families. When I say families, I mean, you know, like wives, husbands, children, children and, and uh, aunts and uncles. They would travel, you know, like in a caravan. When I say caravan, you know what I mean by uh, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, to, their, to their hospital and camp outside and then um, get the treatment or the care or whatever. And uh, they were there for many years. And then the end, they were chased chased out, absolutely chased out at gunpoint by, you know, the, an invading army. Wow. And so, but when you think of people like that, devoted their lives to, to do, yeah, and, and, to, and, and to almost travel around the world begging for money, you know, to, to just to build a basic hospital for these people, you know, and did all that. Amazing. People like him, or them, both of them, uh, people like uh, feel privileged to have known them, been with them, and part of my wife's family. Mm. Amazing. There's good people all over the world doing so many great yeah. things, selfish, yeah. selfless acts, yeah. you know, and really being of service to others. That's right. And 
the more of us that can find some time in our days or our weeks or our months to to help others in some ways is um and also, and also my, my wife was a teacher uh, an infant teacher which meant you know five to seven uh, but in a poor area of, of London and it was her life she you know she was back all the time she wanted to get back to teaching which she did so I, I helped her in a way to, to do that a little way but helped brilliant um, you know, because she used to say, the first time I saw her in the classroom, I could not believe it. And she was smothered with children all over her life. I thought, you know, you, you see somebody playing in a different role to the one that, you, that you're accustomed to, you know. And, oh, oh sorry. Oh. Um, so you know, she she used to say, when they came to me, they didn't know, didn't know one thing from another. Now they can read and write. <laughs> she made a difference. And the, the the kids used to come to school without any breakfast, you know, in the winter and hardly dressed. She had a big box of clothes in the one corner, and uh, she always took. You know, she'd scoop everything up off the breakfast table and take that for the kiddies. Lovely to hear. So my final question. Oh, sorry, I've got a bit emotional no, It's okay. Sorry. It's nice to go back, isn't it, in the memory banks? Remember the good times. It's good to it's good to hold on to some good thoughts and memories. Which you'll know more than me anyway, because you've got you got more time time on this earth than me so far. So my last question is this podcast is all about sharing what good people are doing, like yourself. What advice would you give someone who's looking to go out there and do their own bit of good in the world? Well, do you know what? It's so simple. It's unbelievable, but um, I think the word doesn't exist anymore, and that's kindness. You know, I think... What about, a, what about a kind word, a kind thought, a kind deed, kindness, where's it gone? So that, you know, kindness, it's a truth, is that a sufficient answer? That's a beautiful answer and it's so, it's so true, like you say, it can be so simple and we don't have to have these grand plans or have to feel like we have to do these things and achieve this stuff. It can be so simple as how we are each day and do we bring a smile to someone's face? Thank you, Jim. Oh, and thank you for thank you for sitting with me today and for sharing your story. And well, it's lovely to lovely to be involved, you know. Well, I'm sure that people will find our little chat interesting today and. It will inspire someone to, in some way, and it's just nice yeah. to actually share your story. So thank you, Jim. So there's my interview wrapped up with uh, Jim Giles. Um, really inspiring guy. I just really enjoyed sitting down with him and chatting with him for an hour or so to just find out more about him. And um, you know, I've, like I said, I've known him for a while. I've known about some of the things he's been involved in, but I didn't really know like too much like way back in his history, growing up, and some of his great memories, and hearing about the people that inspire him to do good and stuff. 
and I got a really nice text message off Jim as well. Just um, it came through this morning. He was just saying like it, it really kind of cheered him up. Me going over and sitting in with him and chatting with him, and it really cheered me up as well. I felt I felt lifted for it. So I think the more of us that can maybe we could do with helping someone, or we could just be there and sitting with someone, or someone in our family that we've not spoken to for a while, just you know pick up that phone, arrange to meet up with them and and have a chat and spend some time with them, and, and you'll both get something out of it. We do we just have that connection, and it doesn't. I think what it does show like. With Jim, you know, Jim's like more than 50 years older than me, but never really felt like there's an age gap when we're there. You know, we're just human beings. That's all we are. It's just a construct to think that there's anything actually different with us. So, yeah, it was it was really nice to do. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I've got quite a lot of interviews coming up. I'm going to be I'm going to be ramping this up a little bit more as well. I'm going to be putting them out some more regular. I'm going down to London. I'm speaking with the the founder of Abundance Investments, which is an ethical uh, way to invest in your money. I've got other ones lined up with uh, a lady who's an expert in feng shui and psychotherapy. I've also been speaking with a yoga teacher, a guy who's like really sort of like pushing the positive masculine element of things. So I think that'd be really interesting to have him on, which would be sort of, you know, a little bit similar to having Bridget on a few episodes ago. So yeah, plenty more to come. Stay tuned for more. And if you like this, please, you know, share this with a friend. And I really appreciate you listening to this. Until next time, have a good one. Mm-hmm.